God disagrees with all lifestyles. Well, that's true. Everyone's lifestyle in some area. There are some people, obviously, who use the name of Jesus to be hateful. Like under the guise of, oh, I'm just dropping truth bombs or right. just telling it like it is. Right. Calling something tough love when it's really just bullying. Me. But we believe that God gets to decide what's right and wrong, not us. Welcome to Living Beyond Your Memes, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pat answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Latterell. In this episode, we're talking about love and agreement. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. Good. I'm uh, still doing my juggling act of my new job and mm-hmm. some current projects as well as, of course, just home life and mm-hmm. shoveling snow oh, and man. trying to keep water out of my basement and all of those sorts of things. Yeah, we've had yes. a really weird spring, I guess, which mm-hmm. get, you know, April blizzards yes. for some reason. And thunderstorms. And thunderstorms. So, yeah. yeah, we are getting a good seasonal mix, so to speak. In fact, the snow piled so high, the bunnies were able to reach the bottom branches of our new apple trees and oh, no. just ate them right off. So we have some really weird looking apple trees. Greg, <laughs> man. That is not cool. Wow. So, yeah. Um, but overall, can't complain. Good deal. Exciting things ahead for me. How about yourself? Uh, things are going well. Work has been a little slow retail-wise, but uh, family life is going well. By the time this airs, Lord willing, we'll have a new driver in the family, which uh, um, would be scary for a lot of people because uh, she's a teenager and driving and all these things, but she's very responsible. But uh, the other side is that she can take off some of the load that my wife and I have in driving seven kiddos around all the time. So that'll be good. It's a little another step into our children's uh, maturing. And uh, since our last recording, I've got a new teenager. So I have six teenagers living in my house right now. And next year, the youngest one will be a teenager. And that will be seven teenagers in my house. And I think we're all grateful that I have no hair left to pull out. Well, so, you should be just an old hand at teenager raising by now. Then, indeed. Right? Indeed. Yes. Yes. Can barely deal yeah. with one. <laughs> yes, I love so, you, Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So things are going well. I can't complain. Just uh, things are going, going well. I'm moving right along and happy as a lark. So, of course, I've never really actually measured the, the emotional capacity of a lark. Yeah, I wonder if there are any studies on that. I'm not sure. I suppose if somebody's got access to some government funds, there's probably some somewhere. Right, okay. yeah. So anyway, we are going to talk about, on our first podcast after our hiatus here, we decided to do something very non-controversial, very low-key. We're going to talk about, do love and agreement have to equal the same? In other words, love and agreement, does one have to agree with someone in order to love them? Just to throw a little, I don't know if it's a warning, but um, just be prepared. I mean, mm-hmm. have an open mind. Something that you hear on this podcast is probably going to offend you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. We're trying to practice the art of having difficult conversations in love. Right. Um, and Brian and I may not agree with each other, but uh, mm-hmm. on different 
you know, points, but we're going to try to have that discussion right. in as loving a way as possible and mm -hmm. model that. So, right, right. So I was being sarcastic when I said that we're going to discuss something non-controversial. This is going to <laughs> be controversial, but it's been on my heart for, oh man, a long time. You know, the idea that in order to love someone, you have to agree with them. And there are a lot of memes that I've seen. I go on my Facebook uh, feed a lot, and it just seems like every day I'm seeing something saying that Jesus loves everyone and that being Christ-like is loving the marginalized uh, and particularly the LGBT community, even though it includes any people seen as being pushed aside or ignored by the evangelical Christian community. And a lot of that is very true. Very true. Uh, but the not-so-subtle implication is that love equals agreement with the lifestyles of the LGBTQ community, and to not agree means you are not loving as Jesus did. And then some jump right into the idea that not to embrace the beliefs and lifestyles of that community is to actually be homophobic, transphobic, or just plain bigoted and hateful. So the question we want to wrestle with, is that true? I think it is not true. I think it is very possible to, to love someone and disagree with them and love someone and even reject their beliefs, reject their lifestyle. Your first impressions, Josh, um, have you seen the same kind of thing? Or Oh, yeah, I've seen it a lot. And it's hard to know sort of how prevalent that belief or that idea is. I think most people, at least in my world, uh, even though they have a variety of beliefs about cultural issues like we're talking about, don't, uh, you know, end friendships or, you know, just accuse people of being hateful just because they disagree. Mm -hmm. And maybe I just have really good friends. But I do that know that, especially online and different parts of the country, maybe there's much more anger or like heated discussions about mm -hmm. those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And we see that, you know, in, in culture, in Twitter discussions on YouTube, you, especially TikTok, you've got all sorts of uh -huh. opinions right. about many different things. And some of the most extreme opinions are also the ones claiming that if you question their view of the world in any way, that you're not just, it has nothing to do with how you question it or, or why you might be disagreeing. Just the mm -hmm. fact that you do mm -hmm. is a hateful act. And right. it, like, if you disagree with them, then you don't want them to exist. And right. so sort of taking the most extreme, uncharitable possible view of the fact that someone doesn't see the world that they do mm -hmm. the way they do, or doesn't see their own choices the way that they do or would like other people to see them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do, I do think that's unhealthy. Because if you were to apply that to any other situation in life, any other topic in life, I think we'd pretty easily see that you couldn't possibly live that way right? without kind of breaking all of your relationships instantaneously. Uh -huh. But for some reason, it's like those attitudes towards agreement versus love are like much more intense around right. certain cultural issues like things related to sexuality in particular. Right. And I would yeah. agree with that entirely. This seems to be the big area where those kind of disagreements have the most impact and the most explosive potential. Now I'm basing this just on my experience over the years. 
with some people. And let me also be quick to say that I'm not saying that everybody who disagrees with us on this or me on this is in this camp of thinking that I'm hateful or anything like that. This is just, I've seen some things. Well, for instance, let me just go back. My father-in-law came out of the closet in the nineties and toward the end of his life, he made it very apparent that if you did not agree with him about his lifestyle and his sexual orientation and did not embrace him, embrace that, that you could not truly love him. He just felt that to love meant to agree. And that has never been my position about anything, or at least not as a litmus, litmus test. Uh, and then, as I mentioned a moment ago, I'm just seeing it on my newsfeed on Facebook that, you know, if, that uh, if I don't, uh, that love means accepting and conf- affirming and even celebrating lifestyles that are, in my opinion, unbiblical and unhealthy. I've seen this over the years. This isn't just something that popped up last week or something. This is something that's been on my mind for a long, long time. Because quite honestly, it hurts to to think that others think badly of you because you disagree with their lifestyle when in fact you care very deeply for them and you disagree with them on something that you believe to be harmful. Mm-hmm. Because you do love them. You do want the, what's best for them. And even if they don't see that, it's true. There are some people, obviously, who are hateful and bigoted and use that hatred and bigotry under the banner of Jesus and use the name of Jesus to be hateful and mean. Like under the guise of, oh, I'm just dropping truth bombs or right. just telling it like it is. Right. Telling yep. people what they need to hear and right. calling something tough love when it's really just bullying. Mean. You're right. Right. You know, right. in some cases. And I don't think Jesus meant to do any of that at all. But let me go back to one of the main premises here in that God disagrees with some lifestyles. Well, let me, let me raise you on that. God disagrees with all lifestyles. Well, that's true. Everyone's lifestyle in some area. Yes. Good point. Yep. Yeah. And God specifically calls certain actions, attitudes, and even thoughts that he disagrees with. He calls those sin. That includes things like stealing and murder and rape and greed and selfishness, ignoring the poor and downtrodden and all sorts of stuff. He is intolerant of those behaviors and even beliefs that contradict what he says in the Bible. And I think that's where a lot of people mix things up. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more in a minute. But if somebody said something that he disagreed with, he told them, you know, no, you're wrong. If he saw somebody doing something wrong, he said, you need to repent. Famous woman caught in adultery. You know, um, she's caught in the act. She didn't even try to defend herself. You know, she didn't even try. And he simply said, who condemns you? No one, sir. He goes, neither do I condemn you. And then he said, go and sin no more. He acknowledged her sin and he told her to leave that sin. He didn't say, well, it's an okay alternative lifestyle. You know, just, just don't bother anybody with it. He said, no. Go and sin no more. So he is intolerant of these things. He is not tolerant about these things, and he hates them with such a passion that his wrath has been poured out over sin on more than one occasion, but especially on the cross of Jesus. He poured his wrath on Jesus for our sake, and we deserve that wrath. We deserve that wrath, whether we're a believer or not, whether because like you said, Josh, he disagrees with all of our lifestyles. 
we are sinners and we deserve his wrath. Yeah, there's there's no special treatment for some particular category of mm -hmm. behavior or belief or lifestyle that right. is more okay or, you know, more sort of debatable than some other one. Yeah. Um, I think it comes down to this is why Christians are kind of caught in the middle, right? Because we we want to love people. We want to we certainly don't and most people don't want to get in fights mm -hmm. or be told that they're hateful or have people not like us. You know, mm -hmm. we, we, we want to be seen as loving. Mm -hmm. We are certainly trying to be as loving as we can in all sorts of situations that other people don't necessarily interpret that way. Right. But I, I, a lot of times I, I think it really comes down to fundamentally society's idea about truth Mm -hmm. and right and wrong versus the Christian idea of truth and right and wrong. So yes. the Christian idea of truth and right and wrong is that truth is something that we discover that comes from outside of us. Mm -hmm. And we try to understand what that is mm -hmm. and then conform our lives to it. And that is the definition of a living rightly, a healthy lifestyle, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the way we feel inside doesn't, match up with what we know is true. Right. And then if that happens, then we have to figure out how to change our thoughts and change our, our lifestyle and sometimes go against how we feel. Mm -hmm. Now, our modern culture says that truth really comes more from inside of us. Mm -hmm. And then we project whatever truth we find inside of us out into the world. Mm -hmm. And then that itself, truth is important, but it comes from a very different place in the minds of most secular people today, mm -hmm. then if you, your truth then is questioned, well, that's sort of almost the same as questioning somebody's identity or existence or right. something like that. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, it, it is important to really understand sort of where that idea or those sorts of reactions come from. Mm -hmm. And absolutely. And it's a, it's a fundamental, you know, difference of understanding of what truth, what right and wrong even is and where mm -hmm. it comes from. Right. And, and it is important to be sensitive to that, but that doesn't mean that we need to accept that. Right. 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 So I'm a boomer and boomers place a huge emphasis on objective truth. That something is true, whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not. You know, an example would be, you know, gravity exists, <laughs> whether we like it or whether we don't. Whether if we say, you know what, I don't like gravity, so I'm, so I'm just not going to believe in it anymore, and I'm going to jump off this building. Well, gravity exists. If you really like Space Jam and you're like, I believe I can fly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's going to affect you the same way, yeah. <laughs> no matter what you believe or how you feel in that moment. Right. So, so we place a high value on objective truth. And so for us, we look at the scriptures and we look at the life of Jesus and we say, Jesus is truth. He is objective truth. He truly lived a physical life. He was a historical figure. He truly physically died. He truly physically rose again. Mm -hmm. He is truly physically coming again someday. And because of that, we believe that what the Bible says about things is true because that emanates from God who proclaimed himself to be truth. And he either is or he isn't. Uh, a lot of People my age point to C.S. Lewis and his thing about, you know, Jesus either was who he says he was, or he was a liar, or he was a lunatic, uh, or he really was the Lord that he said he was. So we place a high value on objective truth. And so when we look at 
um, situations where somebody says, well, that might be your truth. That, that might be true for you, but not for me. We're like, you got to be kidding because Jesus either lived or he didn't. Yeah. How is that true for me and not for you? Yeah, the, the, the entirety of the Christian faith ultimately isn't based on Jesus's teachings and how they make us feel mm-hmm. or how reading the Bible, you know, makes you feel about better about yourself or improves your life. It's about, did Jesus die and rise again or not? Is right. that true or not? I mean, the New Testament and, and Jesus himself and Paul and the other uh, writers of the New Testament come back to that over and over again. Right. Either this is true and Christianity is the truth or it's false and Christianity is a huge hoax. Right. It's only one or the other. Right. It's not something that can just be something that you like or like part of and, you know, go along with because it makes you feel better about life. Right. It's just not the way it's set up. Especially since Jesus made claims that are exclusive. I think we've touched on it before, Josh, that um, most major religions agree on many ethical things. Yeah. Uh, But it's when they make claims about who God is and the afterlife, that's when they're not just different, different. they are mutually exclusive. Yes. And so Paul and the other uh, writers claim that these mutually exclusive truth claims of God and Jesus not only are true, but they affect everything else, including our lifestyles. And because of this big truth, this other truth exists. For instance, we're talking about lifestyles, you know, so Paul's and scripture's claims about what is and what is not acceptable uh, sexually or whatever are based on the ramifications of the subjective truth of Jesus. And Christians, I believe, and, and hopefully I'm not going down too far of a rabbit trail here. I believe that Christians can believe that and have high view of scripture and be solid believers in Jesus, even evangelical believers, and disagree with some of our conclusions on what is an acceptable sexuality. And they love Jesus. You know, they love Jesus. And if they can come to those conclusions based on their honest study of scripture, then I'll disagree with that. But I think I can at least respect that they love Jesus, even if we come to different conclusions on these on these big issues. I hope that made sense. I, I hope I didn't. Yeah, I go. think I see where it came from for yeah. sure. So get back to the fact that Jesus was not tolerant about certain things, and he was certainly not tolerant of opposing viewpoints uh, about him. We also need to think about that when we're accused of judging people for their lifestyles, it's not judging when we rightly apply scriptural standards or commands and teachings to lifestyles that God has addressed in scripture. In other words, he has judged these things to be wrong. Now, we can be horrible in how we communicate that, but if God has judged it, we're not the one doing it. And nowhere does God say we are to quit judging altogether. In fact, in the book of John, Jesus tells us to stop judging by mere appearances and make right judgments, chapter 17. Now, we can certainly be judgmental in how we apply that and communicate that, and I think that's the judging that Jesus was talking about in that infamous passage that everybody loves to quote at Christians, judge not lest ye be judged. And sometimes like the intensity with which you might react to something is actually 
direct proportion to how harmful you think it is for the other person. If somebody's like putting their dishes in the sink and not scrubbing them right away. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, that kind of bothers me, but it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. If somebody's driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like, uh, we drive on the right side in this country, right? right. Like yep. get on the right side now, or you're going to hit somebody or mm-hmm. cause some serious accidents. Yeah. And the response to that shouldn't be, you're just being judgmental. You know, that's, maybe that's right for you, but not mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. You know, you know, there are certain things. If, if you do believe that there is objective truth, there are some guidelines for life yeah. that keep you from going in a destructive direction, mm-hmm. then it actually sort of would be irresponsible and unloving if you didn't try to, right. you know, steer somebody in a, in a, in a different direction. Right. And I think Christians maybe have a, well, I should, well, I, I hate, I, I hate using blanket statements. So I'm trying to not do that here. Mm-hmm. Many Christians have a hard time communicating that concern in a loving way. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so it's, and so it comes across as being judgy and judgmental. So I've, I've believed in one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is we believe that Christians need to get better at that, including us. I mean, I fail at this uh, more often than I, than I care to admit. And in fact, I fail to the point where I'm almost scared to say things at times because I'm afraid it won't come out the way I want it to. But back to the judging thing, you know, it's, if God has said something is wrong or right, then it is. Whether we agree or not, God has shown quite clearly that he gets to decide and not us. And again, that's where the, the whole idea of, of truth being something outside of us has to come into play. Because if you believe that truth comes from outside of us, and in this case, that truth comes from God himself, that God is truth, then we have to believe that. But if you believe that truth is something from that comes within you, then it's much easier to say that, well, you know, my truth is what I live by and doesn't matter what you believe. I've got my truth, but we believe that God gets to decide what's right and wrong, not us. And that means that Christians, when they sin are just as guilty as anybody else, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think one of the things also that gets lost in this conversation here is that you know, we've focused so much on the idea that Christians are against homosexual lifestyles and blah, blah, blah. And we say, you know, God doesn't like this and God did not design you for that and whatever. And we come across as mean and ugly. What often we forget is that God doesn't like other sexual behaviors that heterosexuals do. Yeah. I mean, there is obviously a historically high saturation and acceptance of pornography and other sexually explicit oh, yeah. stuff and um people leaving their spouses for somebody they find a little bit more attractive mm-hmm. at the drop of a hat right um and that is prevalent even within christian circles and people Absolutely are very goodness. good at sort of figuring out how to sort of adapt Christianity to their own desires, uh-huh. whatever those happen to be. And it might be an issue that falls in that LGBTQ spectrum, but uh-huh. it might be something completely different. Um, Absolutely. I think we have to remember that, like, there are all sorts of desires in all of us yes. that come naturally, let's uh-huh. say. Uh-huh. And they are not the same for every person. Right. But some of those are going to, you know, line up just fine with what the Bible says. And uh-huh. some of them are not. And right. and and different people are going to fall different places on that spectrum. Uh-huh. And 
that like your strong desires or feelings about a particular thing that you might feel that you've had for a long time, whatever it is, like doesn't mean that it's defines you as a person. Right. And, um, and in fact, Christians have, have long believed that that doesn't define you as a person. In fact, mm-hmm. there are some desires in our hearts that are good and there are some desires that God needs to take care of. Right. And those aren't the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very individual sort of thing. So right. it's hard to talk about that in a way that doesn't come across to our culture in particular as, well, you're just rejecting me as a person or you're rejecting my mm-hmm. identity, partly because it's such a different way of looking at like truth and desire. And, you know, we've even pounded into uh, our heads for, you know, 50, 60, 70 years to follow your heart and that the, mm-hmm. like the, your, mm-hmm. your truth and the true you is found inside your heart by looking inside yourself. Yep. And um, it sounds great. It sounds mm-hmm. great in Disney movie, mm-hmm. but in real life, it doesn't lead typically to, like very healthy places. Right. And I think maybe the Disney thing is a reaction to the idea that we also shouldn't let others define us. Right. And I think that's true also. We we don't want to let others define us. So we do want to, you know, not be that, but ultimately we need to let God define us because he made us in his image. But the fact is the fall and sin has marred that and has affected every area of our lives, whether it's our sexuality, whether it's our identities, you know, how we treat other people in general, whatever. Our brains are small. We don't have the wisdom we need. We make bad decisions. We sin. Mm-hmm. And it's part of that broken creation that really is, that's what's manifesting all of this. You know, so I think if more Christians could get a better grip on the fact that we are broken. Right. We are just as broken as the people that we're disagreeing with over here. We needed a savior. We are so broken. We needed somebody to die for us. We needed God himself to die for us. And that invitation is open for them just as much as it is for us. We just need to get better at demonstrating that. Sure. uh, And vocalizing it. So I want to get now as we get uh, kind of turn a corner a little bit here. And that is that, well, first of all, let's just say that what I want to say here is that majority opinion does not equal truth. Majority acceptance and even celebration of a lifestyle by the populace doesn't make it right. Just two examples of this. Hitler, who was accepted by the vast majority of Germans, who saw him as the literal savior of Germany, even if it meant accepting his views on the Jews, homosexuals and evangelical Christians, whatever. Most of the German population loved Hitler and were cool with him. And they followed him. Well, he was horribly wrong. And I don't know that you'd find any honest Bible-believing Christian who believes he was right. You know, now I know there are some wackos, and I'm not afraid to call them that, who would call themselves Christians who are anti-Semitic um, and who thought Hitler was a great guy, uh, and that is not a good thing. I think that's totally anti-biblical, anti-scriptural. Whatever, but my point is, uh, Hitler was widely accepted by the uh, Germans as a general populace, and they believed him, and he was wrong. Then slavery here in our own country, slavery in the U.S., where most people in the Southern U.S., including many evangelical Christians, 
I don't know what they would have been called back then, but people that we would consider to be evangelical Christians, they believed slavery wasn't just beneficial to the economy. They actually believed it was beneficial to the enslaved people themselves. And they, they went further than that based on the popular culture of the day and the prevailing philosophies of the day basically said that slavery was natural because there were these natural yes. hierarchies between superior and inferior humans. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the whole concept of white supremacy right there, right? right. Which mm -hmm. was actually invented by slaveholders and their apologists to mm -hmm. make slavery seem like a good idea. Right. So they actually turned it from something that was like the Catholic church in particular were starting to object to mm -hmm. and say, no, no, no. Not only is this not bad, it's actually good. It's actually mm -hmm. moral. Um, mm -hmm. And there were lots and lots of people that had their, their livelihoods and whole industries based on that institution continuing to exist. Right. And so they, they actually found biblical justifications for it and tried mm -hmm. to make it seem as though it was actually a moral good. Right. And that was the prevailing view in lots of societies for quite a long time. Sure. Well, and it, it, it uh, expanded to treatment of Native Americans in mm -hmm. the U.S. Uh, as the church, Catholic and otherwise. Uh, many people involved in those institutions uh, have those same views, that these are not really people or that they are lesser people. They need us. And some of those people were horribly brutal, mm -hmm. horribly, disgustingly evil. They really were. And, uh, and that was clearly wrong, whether, you know, that is an objective truth, I think. I think everybody would say, yes, that was wrong. We just recognize that as being wrong. And it doesn't hurt to take a step back and think about what our future generations going to think how could they possibly have believed this or that, you know, when that's so clearly against scripture and right, against right. the teachings of Jesus and that sort of thing? Yeah. And we look back and then we go, how could they have not known? Right. Well, and I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a mystery to me how they could not have known. But, but there were some who did. I mean, William right. Wilberforce, solid evangelical Christian. We've talked about this before. He was the guy who ended the slave trade in England. He was a member of parliament and every single year for 27 years, he would bring up a bill to end the slave trade in England every single year. And it got defeated every single year until that last year. And it finally went through. And here's a guy who battled for a quarter of a century. Mm -hmm. John Newton, a former slaver, came to Christ. And even after he came to Christ for a while, he still helmed the slave boats for a while until God really convicted him. He says, no, you're a Christian. You're not supposed to be doing this anymore, you know? And he left that slave trade. Evangelical Christians in the U.S. and in the South were the ones who were most instrumental about bringing slavery to an end. They ran the Underground Railroad. They infiltrated the Congresses. They, they influenced politicians to pass policy. And just so, to be clear, and I think we should be, we're not equating any of these different time periods in history or, mm -hmm. or evils of the past with things that are happening in our, in our no. culture today. No. I think the, the point is that popular culture, including many Christians can get caught up and sort of carried away by what the rest of society yes. approves of mm -hmm. and thinks is good. Right. And that is hard to resist mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. for people who 
you know, want to love and follow Jesus and do yes. what's right. Right. And so it's it's just important to be aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. And you said it earlier that we like to be liked. We like we don't want to be seen as as unloving. We want to have friends, and we don't want to be seen as not compassionate or not caring about those that we disagree with. And so, yes, it is very easy for us to want to go. Th- I I hate conflict like the plague. And honestly, Josh, I, I think I mean it would my my life would be a whole lot easier in some ways. If all this was fine, if God had not said, you know, this was not a big deal, but, but he did. And so the struggle comes with, you know, how do we communicate that? How can I honestly love these people and communicate that love in a way that says, I love you because you're made in the image of God. You deserve respect for that reason alone. And I'm going to love you in spite of our disagreement in this. And maybe you'll never change. Maybe maybe you and I will never come to an agreement. And maybe you'll never leave the lifestyle that I don't agree with. But I'm going to love you anyway. And next time we get together in this next episode, maybe we can look at some ways and discuss some ways. Josh, maybe we can banter some things back and forth about what are some ways that we can actually show tangible to love to people that we disagree with on these very hot button, hot topic issues. So Sure. Um, I just want to leave you with a quick thought that happened to uh, come across my radar just today, actually not too long before we recorded this episode. I was watching a video, probably an older video from Rick Warren, if you know who that is, Mm -hmm. Saddleback Church. He had a 40 days of love series and this happened to be talking about conflict and um, how we typically don't like to avoid conflict and that sometimes we think it's loving to not get in arguments with people. And he made the point that actually, if you confront somebody or if you sort of raise an issue of truth with someone, you're doing that because you care about them. Mm-hmm. If you like typically in any, especially a close relationship, if you're just avoiding the hard issues and not talking about them, you're not going to go any deeper in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because you don't care that much about building a deeper, closer relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. It's people who, you really care about that it actually really matters to you to talk about those hard issues, even if right. it means some sort of confrontation. Right. And that that even, you know, working through those things and talking about them openly leads to greater love and yeah. intimacy in any relationship. So mm-hmm. it's actually, you know, challenging us because it, it feels yucky. We want to avoid it. We don't want to rock the boat a lot of times in a, in a relationship, but, um, Deeper loving relationships, whether they're friendships or family relationships, actually grow through speaking the truth in love mm-hmm. and and facing, you know, uncomfortable issues. Yeah, good. So, yeah, that is very true. And there are times when we have to say something. That's when we ask God's grace to help us form the words mm-hmm. and that they can see our heart and... um because we want them to see not just our love, we want them to see the love of God. There are also times when we don't have to say something. Yes. And that's important to remember. Yes. It is equally stupid to just sort of always jump into conversations that mm-hmm. don't have anything to do with you and, right. and pick fights that aren't aren't yours. And, oh, yeah. Proverbs is full of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Just, like, sometimes it's just good it's to like, keep your yap shut. Right. <laughs> I think that, that summarizes about a third of Proverbs right there. <laughs> anyway, we're going to continue this discussion on our next episode here. These aren't very easy discussions, but the basis of all this is that we want to 
love others the way God loves us. God wants us to love our neighbors ourselves, and sometimes our neighbor doesn't not just look like us. They don't act like us. And we need to demonstrate the love of Christ who died for people who don't love or act like him. Mm -hmm. So that includes us. Oh, before we go, Brian, do you have a Chuck Norris fact for us? Of course. In fact, because it's been a month since our last podcast, I have not just one, but two. All right. Here's the first Chuck Norris fact. Chuck Norris is able to start a fire using an extinguisher. <laughs> and secondly, like here, Chuck Norris has to carry a concealed weapons permit when he wears his regular clothes. Yep. So he's logical. Dangerous. Very he logical. Dangerous. You bet. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time. Living Beyond Your Memes is a production of Truth Love Media and Discipleship DNA. Editing by EC Productions. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in touch with Brian LaCroix at DiscipleshipDNA.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you in the next episode.